Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We've been working through the New Testament for over four years. Um, we are going to start tonight in the book of James. We counted the other week. We're 42, to, 42 weeks away from being finished um, with our study of the New Testament. And then we'll jump into the New Testament together. And that'll take 15 years. And then we'll jump into the New Testament again. The importance of studying this way is, is looking at scripture in context. And, and that's a big deal. We, we have to be able to look at it to figure out who was being written to, and under what situation was it being written, and, and then um, keep all the verses in context as to what they mean. So that, so that we know how they fit and we don't start taking things out of context and trying to get the Bible to say something we don't want it to or we, you know, it doesn't really say. And so as we've looked at the New Testament together, we've been able to hold it in this, this great context. And it was really helpful. You know, we looked at the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, um, Luke. We looked at John. We looked at the book of Acts. And then um, we've been working from there through um, Paul's letters because of the missionary journeys. And um, we did all of Paul's letters. And then we did the book of Hebrews. I'm not sure of the author on that one. And um, now we're going to do the book of James. To put this book in context... Um, James is thought to be the earliest of all of the letters that were written uh, in the New Testament. It's the earliest one. Um, it, it was written, they believe, around 45 A.D., um, maybe as late as 48 A.D., but uh, it was written to the church in Jerusalem that would have still been thriving at the time and not being persecuted yet, um, either by the, the Romans to any significant degree or um, the established Jewish when the church first started, they were actually sort of tolerated in the synagogues and stuff as um, like another sect, if you would, um, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. They, they just sort of labeled the people that were following after Jesus, they called them the way, and they were still tolerated in the synagogues for the season. And then um, they were, as the persecution from Rome started to come up, so, so did it come um, so um, it was written back then, the earliest probably of all the letters written in the New Testament. Um, it was written by James, and this is the Lord's brother James, not James the Apostle. Um, there's a lot of verses in the Apostle James was martyred, you know, around 44. And if you look at the history of James, you know that um, initially he didn't believe in, in Jesus and who he was and what that looked like. This is starting to get hot. Okay. I'm up upstairs and tell them that it's just too long. So, uh, he didn't first believe in Jesus, but after the resurrection, he came to believe in Jesus and actually became um, one of the premier leaders in the church at Jerusalem. Uh, he was called Camelmese, is what he was known, because apparently he developed these big calluses on his knees from spending so much time in prayer. And so, he's referred to um, in church history as Camelmese. Kind of a, not very flattering, but not bad, I guess, you know, if you're going to be called something, Camelmese is as good as anything. 
for that reason. Uh, and, and the theme of the book of James is it's really faith, but uh, unlike Paul's letters, it's really not about a saving faith or a justifying faith. Um, it's more of a practical faith as it applies to the way we're to live out this life in Christ. And what you have to do when you look at James is remember who it was being written to. It was being written a lot like the book of Hebrews was to um, people who had grown up with an understanding of the Old Testament and prophecy and the scripture as they knew it and had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. Um, but they had a good background. They had a, they had a wealth of uh, sort of background from the end of this thing that the people that Paul was ministering to didn't have. And so, so Paul had to, to come at things in a completely different way. Um, you know, one of the comparisons I've heard is like, Paul was, was um, like teaching birthing classes and, and um, James was teaching toddlers. Uh, uh, because they had to come at it from completely different things. Because over time in parts of the, it's been struggles in the church because sometimes people don't like James, um, especially at the time of the Reformation um, when Martin Luther was, was protesting, which is how we can do right with Protestants because of Martin Luther and protested the Catholic Church at the time because they were um, in a bad spot in their history, not that they're always bad, but in their history they were selling indulgences and they were doing a lot of bad things because they had a bad choice at the time. Um, Luther said this is how it works, it's all about being you know, rejected by grace and faith and started why we have Protestants left because of Luther. Luther didn't like the book of James because James is kind of, if you read it, you know, the intent of it's like it's about the works of God. But the works are never about getting saved, they're about practical living as believers. And so sometimes it looks like what Paul wrote and what James wrote are different things, but they're not. They're all heading in the same direction. Um, they're just being written to different audiences who would come at them differently because of where they were at in their walk. So, people brand new into this thing from a Gentile background um, couldn't present to them the same way you would to an established community that has grown up, um, you know, in, in effect in the scripture for a while. So, it's different. James is not evangelistic. Um, it's not an evangelistic book. It's not one of the ones you would give to somebody that was trying to find out who you know, steer them to the gospel of John and some false one. To someone who had grown up, it was, it's, a, it's a great way of looking at how we're supposed to live this life. So that's what we're going to look at. Another thing we'll see when we read through James in structure, in a lot of ways, it's like the book of Proverbs because it's filled with these little practical pieces on how to live. Um, sort of short exhortations on a variety of subjects about how to live this life. So let's read through James 1 and then, um, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. 27 verses, beginning at verse 1. I'll read it to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. And it's on the notes. You can follow along with whatever translation you might have you can read that. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, reading, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. 
The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, to give birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word kindly in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. If anyone uh, considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on in James. And like I said, in, in a lot of ways, it's like Proverbs. He's, he's hitting us with a lot of different things about how we're supposed to live. And they're, they're pieces of lifestyle advice is what it looks like. And so we'll, we'll talk about them just briefly. The first four verses, um, James says something pretty interesting. He says this about life, that trials will happen. Um, the wording there is explicit. It doesn't say if they happen. It says trials will happen. And um, how we deal with trials in life has everything to do with how we see our life in Christ. And, and the reality, I think, is our focus, our perspective, uh, is our focus on the temporary where your focus is, is how well you handle the difficult situations in your life. Because all of us are God can use them. Um, we don't have to blame them for Him. It's a fallen world with a broken planet. Um, but how we understand it all will help us do the process. And, and so a lot of that to me is perspective. Where is our planet? We live in the temporary, but it can't be the most important thing. It needs to be having an internal perspective, a formal perspective, and then and then allowing you know from that to experience a full life now and a full and abundant life in which Jesus can give it. But that doesn't mean a life that we never have. Oftentimes, we would, we would see 
not gonna be always good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I said to you, in our nature, we talked about this. We do want to be happy. It's not a bad thing. Hard on me. And then he goes on and he says in verses 5 to 8, and this is good news, that, that God is with us and that God is for us. In fact, that's what he's saying. And that we can go to him for wisdom on how to best handle any difficult situations we encounter. Isn't that good to know? Um, that, that you can go to God for wisdom and it says he'll give it to you. That's a pretty good deal. If you would know how to handle things best. Where we end up messed up most of the time is this. Rather than go to God in difficult situations for wisdom, we try and figure out what we think we need to get done, and then we try and get God to go along with that. Does that, make, does that sound like anything you might do? That's normally what we do, right? Here's a situation, we think about it, and then we figure out this is how I would handle it, and then we try and get God to go along with it. And we're like, God, here's a situation, and really, if I could just win the lotto, this would be a non-issue. So if you could just make that happen, that would be cool. And it goes from that. You know, we have a lot of stuff like that, and, and you just gather around and like, you know, the, the thing is, you, you get out of, you know, order. And, and again, it goes right back to the beginning. Things happen, and where's our perspective? But when you hit a situation, what we, what we really need to do is ask God. We need to pray, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Not, God, I'm trying to get you to do what I want you to do. What do you want me to do? And again, quicker way to find life is to move into that. And that, that we can trust Him, um, that He's good. And, and uh, he'll give us direction. I, you know, God is so faithful in, in our lives. I mean, do you, you realize how present he really is? I mean, if, you, if you really stop and thought about how, how often God is moving and, and if, you, if you start getting sensitive to him, I mean, to the to thing, you know, you, you almost can tell things are... He's about to move in this situation and he shows up and somebody says something and you, you start to pray about something and you see doors open. I mean, God is very present in, in the way that he helps us and we just need to be open to it and not be anxious. And, you know, I love that verse. It's in my morning devotion every day. Do not be anxious about anything. I mean, everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving presents your request to God and peace of God and the Lord of the Lord of the Tiny brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is natural. Anything is excellent, great, 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 just that one verse. I think about that verse a lot. Let your gentleness and evidence be all. That's a pretty significant verse. It's been contemplated on that. That's a really quite a testament. If you get the rest of what's going around there in context working in your life, that, that, you know what, in a situation, maybe a, a 
James is saying the same thing. Listen, if you're in a situation, realize you can go and ask God for wisdom, and He'll give it to you. Um, then he goes on in verses 9 to 11, and um, the point that he's making there is that our identity is in Christ now. Our identity is, is found in Christ. And we're not defined by our riches or by our poverty. Um, success in the kingdom is not measured by, by the things that the world measures success in. It's, it's not measured by wealth and possessions or the lack thereof. Um, in the kingdom of God, success is really all about running the race that God has for you. Figuring out what His will is for you and then doing it to the best of your ability. That's, that's what it looks like in the kingdom. And, and so it is a huge uh, shift in dynamics for the establishment of the community because their concept was that if you were rich, it meant that you were blessed by God, and if you were poor, it means that you weren't, and something must be wrong, and that's where, that was how it went to mind. But in Christ, all that got undone, and, and, and that wasn't the defining factor at all, and that, that now in Christ, our identity is in Him, and, and ultimately all of us are rich because of the mission found. So, you know, it's about finding what God wants you to do and doing that. But in Christ, now we're on each other. Then in verses 12 through 15, and we start talking about temptations. Remember, all these are wisdom, lifestyle, standbites. Um, and, and temptations exist. The world's broken. The planet you know, is a broken planet. The world's fallen. Um, but the, the thing is, we don't have to give in to temptation. And we can choose to live by doing the next right thing. And when we choose to do that, He will empower us and meet us there to help us in the process. Um, he, he always makes a way out, and He always helps us through if we choose to do that. And the whole thing there about temptation is you, can't, you don't, you know, you, you don't want to blame God. He said the, the, the reality is that the, the seed of that is in us. In this mountain and it sort of gets stirred up in what we do is, is when we can get in trouble. Verses 19 through 21, some interesting verses. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. These are some great, great verses, I think. Because it's so unlike what we do for the most Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. 
quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I would then submit to you that culturally we got like that. I would say that you never quit. You're, you're, you're quick not to listen. You're, you're, you're never slow about speaking. We almost think that everybody always wants to hear us. And, and, uh, we get angry never just like that. Would you say that's fairly culturally? We're in that dynamic. So that's kind of a normal thing. Anybody else get angry just like that? I found a new angry spot when I was out. Did you hear about it? I'm really having to work on it. It used to be, you know, here in different places, and I've resolved it. There's a new spot coming out down in Key West. And when you go down to Key West, there's a spot where you have two lanes now, which is nice going to the island, but at the traffic light, it gets down to one lane. It goes through, and if you're not in that lane, you have to turn left. Anybody else ever been to Key West and experienced this recently? Okay, now, if you, if you know about the situation, as much as you don't want to, you're going to pull over into that right lane, which usually is pretty long way because you're going straight to it. But there's people. There's people who shoot down that other lane, knowing that they should stop and move over who don't and punch it right all the way through to the end. Okay. So that's on them. Um, and I would have to confess that I did do that one time and I felt so guilty about it that I couldn't do it anymore. Well, I sit over there and wait. But, but, and I'm, I'm, I'm confessing that. I've been working on it. The first time I was waiting, I could feel my anger. Just over that. Really, it's nothing, right? It's perspective. But I'm having to wait maybe 10 minutes. 30? Okay. They're down there all the time. I'm not condemning anyone that does it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to hear where little flashpoints come up. But the first time that it happened, I was really angry. And then, I don't know how you guys do it, just confessing again. Then I decide, and remember, I'm a pastor, and I love people. I decide that no matter what, when I get to that closest spot, after I've been waiting 10 minutes, there's no way anybody's getting in in front of me. And now I'm on that bumper in front of me, man, like Lou. And I'm almost going to cause an accident, because I'm on it. There's not going to be a crack, there's not going to be a look. There's not going to be, I don't care if there's a hands hanging out the windows, I'm going to ignore it like I can't see it, like please let us in. No! <clears throat> That's not right, right? But do you get it? I'm just trying to give you something to it. how quick we are to get angry. That's, isn't that, I mean, the reality is I could have had to walk down there from Big Pine or something. You know, I did, and I got to drive all the way in the car in the air conditioning, and it's still sitting in an air conditioned car. And uh, my time is a bad day, oh my God. And it's so I, I really work on letting people in. I really do purposely work on not trying to be like that, but it's really hard for me. Um, so, so now you have a, now you have a, there's an actual hands on example, all right, of how quickly you can get angry. So just think about it in your own life. I think we're like that. We get angry over silly things quickly. And the, the James's admonition is the exact opposite. Right, so he says, first thing we're supposed to do is be quick to listen. Again, I, I always like to talk about this. Um, our culture at this point in time is desperate, desperate for people that will listen. Nobody listens. And in fact, we go so far as to pay huge amounts of money to have someone that will sit in a room with them and listen. Uh, huge amounts of money. Because no one else will listen. They can't get anybody to listen. And 
Before we've ever listened, which is all they really wanted to do was someone listen, please. We don't even let them before we start thinking about how we're going to fix them. And we start going on broadcast and speaking, and we just listen to them. Most of us, many, many things would be really changing the Just listen to them. It's not about you. Get to this one. Slow Let's do it. Have you ever thought about actually not to run out of words before you find out of words? Take my mind. Take my mind. Then, verses 22 to 25. Practically. We're supposed to live the, the word of God. We're not only supposed to be hearers of it, we're supposed to live it. Remember, he's talking to people who knew it their whole lives, and now the, the admonition in Christ is we go out and do it. The exhortation is go, go do this. Live this out. It says it. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to try and live that. And And then finally there in the last 26 and 27, our life in Christ. It isn't about rituals and rules, it's about loving God and loving and loving ourselves. And it's displayed in that, that we get out of our own sort of stuff and start caring about, caring about the needs of others. And, and again, that was also part of listening to A lot of practical stuff throughout the book of James, but that's pretty good chunk. And so um, I think it's enough. I'd like to be weak, strength, warm this week, and think about those things, and sort of meditate on some of those verses and uh, how they can apply to your life. And that's enough tonight for watching on television or by video. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. You know how valuable it is. And uh, we'd love for you to come and visit sometime. Thank you.